When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty. And luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to the Same Old Arsenal podcast. We're back after a two-week break. The boys are with me. Hello, Cookie. How are you? Hello, Amanda. I'm very well, thank you. How's yourself? Very good. Much better than it would have been last night, the podcast, wouldn't it? Much better. Um, Suburban Guna, who just popped to the loo and poured a beer, and we're just all waiting for the diva, as we call him in our WhatsApp group. How's the diva doing? You're muted, mate. You're muted. We can't hear you. Ah. Do you want to un- uh, we said we go live at 7.30. We went live at 7.30. I don't see what the problem is. <laughs> oh, well, I'll tell you what the problem is. There's no problems tonight because if we would have recorded last night, um, then what would have happened was... We'd have been a bit more miserable, but we'll get to that in a moment. So, everybody, last couple of weeks, the reason I had a break was last Friday night when you was all watching the City game, Carl took me for my Christmas present to watch a a few of the Invincibles down in South End. And it was the weirdest experience being with 1,600 Gooners, Perry Groves, Gilberto Silva, Ray Parler and Loren. And Arsenal were playing. So you can only imagine how weird this was because people were on their phones. People kept looking to see results. I didn't even bother because I knew we'd know. And obviously, it didn't go well that night. But we had a brilliant night. And I can't tell you how much more in love with Gilberto I am. Oh, my life. Parla was just as brilliant and funny as ever. And Lauren was just great. Perry Groves was brilliant. And they asked us if we wanted to ask any questions to tweet it. And I did. And they read my question out. And the week before, it was the same question I asked Freddie Lundberg. When did you finally realise during the Invincibles year when we were going to win it? And, um, yeah, it was a really, really good evening. So, obviously, we lost. Um, I wasn't due to – we weren't going to do a podcast anyway. It's not because we lost. It's because we didn't have one planned. And then we just sort of – saunter on to this week so boys Goodison Park so this week I was interviewed on Toffee TV um by a very despondent Everton fan Baz who is fantastic and I had a 20 minute interview with him about our upcoming game and these are my words to him I can't see us winning it I can only see a draw we've got the new manager bounce we've got the fact that we don't do well at your ground and a few others as well and he said, if we even get a draw, I think I'm just going to, like, you know, celebrate. But if we win, I didn't think they'd win, if I'm honest, Cooks. I didn't think they were going to win it. But I thought we were going to get a draw. And then we didn't. So just give us your overall view of yesterday. Take us through the game. Well, I'm going to try and not do what I've done that you've criticised me of in previous weeks and go 
from the first minute to the last minute in my opening statement. So I'll try and keep this as brief as I possibly can do. I felt very much the same as you going into the game. I wasn't particularly confident. I, I, it would be wrong to not feel confident that we were going to win because I think given the results we've had and the, the performances we're playing. And from my point of view, I was looking at this from the perspective of we've overcome so many tests this season. You know, the United game, going to Spurs and winning there. We've got all this hoodoo off our backs, you know, it's a tough game. We're coming up against Sean Dyche. We've got the new manager bounce. It's good as in Park, but we've come over tougher games this season. And in that first 10 minutes, I just thought something about it just doesn't, doesn't quite feel right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I am bitterly disappointed with the result and it's, um, it, it didn't go our way on the day. But I think it's really important to have a bit of clarity in times like this and just not overreact because every team is going to have games like this at some point. And I think you've got to say, fair play to Everton because they were really good. They showed so much passion, so much aggression. Uh, Sean Dyche, I think he gets a lot of stick and uh, none of us are really enthusiastic about the way he plays football and the way he sets his teams up. But he is also a very good tactician. I think you've got to admit that. And when he gets a bit of money behind him, which he will at Everton, you would assume, not like he has at Burnley in the past, if he's allowed to spend a bit of money, I actually think they could build a really good team. And it, although it might sound a little bit absurd, they could genuinely have a really good end to this season. I know they're in a tough place now, but if you look how tight it is in those bottom 10 teams, they could genuinely make a good push towards the top 10. Um, it might be a bit too soon to say that this season, but I think give them a bit of time, they'll do really, really well. So yeah, I'm very despondent about the result yesterday, but um, I'm certainly not throwing my toys out of the pram. It is what it is. Um, thankfully, Spurs did us a favour this evening, which I'm sure we'll talk about a bit later, but still so much to be positive about. So yeah, let's keep a bit, a bit of perspective and not overreact. There is, isn't there? I mean, um, I'm not going to mention names of people that I tweet with or got annoyed with last night. Um, but there was a big thing about this, wasn't there? And Rich the Gooner has said, not a great display. What we move on, too many fans have thrown their toys out the pram. Just what you were saying, Cookie. So, Chris, what's your what's your take on that? I mean, you can talk about the game, obviously, but what's your take on th this initial reaction of, like, dread, fear? It, it, I find it a little bit embarrassing. As in the fear that we've lost and therefore, you know, it's the walls are going to come crumbling down, that kind of fear. I think what I've noticed is people like to be right. So it's like we're not going to do this. We didn't buy anyone decent in January, which we're going to discuss in a moment. Um, and they just wait. They wait for the loss. Instead of like putting it into perspective, going with five points clear, City still have to play Tottenham the next day. I don't think any of us thought Tottenham would win it, but with the might of chance of a point, they are a little bit City Spurs is a bit like us and Everton, so there's a little chance there. City are not as good as people think, and we have one loss. We weren't at the races, we didn't turn up. He got the crowd going. If we'd have played them a week before, we probably would have beaten 4 0. But I'm just talking about this um, immediate re reaction to, oh, my God, we're dumb. Yeah, I think the natural human reaction is to almost um, gravitate towards the the lowest sort of or the, the, the worst case possible scenario. And I do the same thing as well. So if anyone actually reads the nonsense that I put out every day, I'm very, very similar. I'm quite pessimistic. And that's actually for me just a, almost it's a self preservation mechanism it's about me trying to protect my own emotions because I'm so yeah. emotionally invested with Arsenal because basically since the age of about seven it's become my obsession and I've you know that's too many decades that I don't actually want to go into um, for fear of uh, people finding out my age um, but and, and you're going to say well you know you're a whippersnapper but we'll move away from that but it is it is that kind of um, for me personally it's that preservation um the personal self-preservation thing. So I immediately looked towards the negative. So as soon as that final whistle went yesterday and I saw we'd lost to the team that was second from bottom and on a terrible run, my immediate thoughts were, this time tomorrow evening, we're going to be two points away from City and the media narrative is going to be, they're chasing them down. They're chasing them down. Let's forget the fact that we would have had a game in hand and our game in hand is Everton at home. Now, yeah. Everton have just beaten us away but there is absolutely, do I want to say this? 
Don't say no chance. No, don't say Sorry, I was going to say there's no way that they, they will put in the identical performance that they put no. in yesterday. I cannot see it. If they apply the same tactics, maybe, but I think that it's a very different uh, scenario with Arsenal at home. I think that, you know, they were buoyed by a very boisterous, and they always are, by a boisterous Everton support. I think that got them up. I think it's a new horizons, fresh beginnings, Sean Dyche era that kind of lifted them a little bit and the players were lifted with it. We play them in probably, I don't know if the game's been decided, it's probably in about a month or so. But when we do play them, it will be a very different match. And that's our game in hand. And I would expect us to win that. So we win that. And regardless of what would have happened today with uh, with Man City and Spurs, and we're still five points clear, even with that defeat. But hindsight is twenty twenty, and the hindsight today, which is why I find myself incredibly chilled right now when we're going to be analysing this game, is that we're still five points clear. I'm looking at a league table. All that's happened this weekend is that we are one game closer towards the end of the season, and we are still five points clear of Man City. With a so, game yeah. With the game in hand yeah. now. Yeah. Um, do you know what? It's very funny you should say it's like that coping mechanism. My dad is the same. My dad is negative 24-7. If we score one, he'll go, we've got to get four. You know, it, it's his way of protecting himself because he loves the club so much. Um, and he, and it's a way of going you know, just, just to the protection I get. Now, I'm a little bit upset because weirdly in my life, <laughs> I'm quite negative, but with my Arsenal world, I'm quite positive. So for me, I went, well, we're still five points clear. They haven't played yet. We'll still be two points clear and we'll have a game in hand. We still got to play them. We play, they're not playing that well. Um, I, I honestly didn't think they'd lose to Spurs. Um, but when Harry Kane got the first goal, I thought there's a good chance they're going to do this Tottenham this time. So I was more positive last night and, and I think I was just appreciative of what we've seen this season. And I just feel some fans, and there's not there's not that many, but some fans need to appreciate what we have done. We've gone above and beyond what any of us expected. If I told you, Christopher and James, on the 1st of August, that we'd be sitting here on the 5th of Feb, five points clear with a game in hand, you'd have sent me to the funny hospital, wouldn't you? Yeah, exactly. It's... um. It's more than we could have hoped for. We're in an amazing position. Um, we are still in the driving seat. We are going to have games like this. I think for me personally, one of the things that worried me the most about yesterday was actually not the result. So when we lost to Man United in September, we battered them. And we battered them. And after that game, I came out of it angry because it's like, oh, we always go to Old Trafford and lose, even when we're the better team. But a few weeks later, a few wins later, and I'm thinking, yeah, well, we battered them. This season, for the whole of the season, and even the Leeds game, in the first half, I thought we were the better team against Leeds. Leeds battered us in the second half, and the stats kind of skewed that towards suggesting that, well, Leeds United were the better team, they probably should have got, got a win. But we really had them in control last se- uh, in that game at Elland Road. But... This was the first game yesterday where I watched an Arsenal team that was second best in terms of chance creation, second best in terms of like the good key moments, like the big chances. I, I think we might have had one big chance, whereas Everton had four. And you, we, we can all relive them if we want to, but I don't particularly want to. But for me personally, it was more the performance. I would be sitting here a lot more comfortable if we'd have absolutely destroyed Everton yesterday, had 25 shots on goal and it just wasn't our day, but they got a penalty or a scabby sort of goal from a corner, which is what they got. I would almost probably feel more comfortable today. My worry is, are we going to see more of those performances? Because if you see more of those performances, particularly away from home, then that's when it's going to start getting a little bit scary. Okay, so first of all, I'm really sorry I didn't say hello to everyone in the chat room. And thank you so much for coming along and supporting us. Um, And with all your comments that are brilliant, and we're going to get to some of them in a moment. Um, Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Amesy, it's lovely to see you. Doesn't matter, you're a bit late. And it's great to see Simon at Simon Lester. Let's see what your point is. 
because I want to get to this actually. Welcome to the show, Simon. Dyche knew that he had to double up on Saka and Martinelli. His plan worked well. Sadly, we couldn't exploit the space that those tactics created elsewhere. So, Cookie, the one thing I wanted to talk about was Martinelli. How much do you think he's missing Jesus? A lot, to be honest. If you look at uh, where our average players were position-wise in the game yesterday, you've got almost everyone drifting over to Saka's right-hand side. And then you've got poor little Gabby on his own in the left. And I guess that that kind of works in one of two ways. It's quite nice to have the attention off Martinelli in a way, because not all teams are going to do what Everton does. And if we're putting all of our energies on the the right-hand side, we can do exactly what we did in the game against Brighton away and Erdegaard play another one of those beautiful balls through to an unoccupied Martinelli who's making a brilliant run so it works in, as I say in one of two ways but the problem is when you're playing against a team like Everton who as that comment says um, double up on our wingers which have been so pivotal to the way we play and it's also not working for us through the middle in terms of Eddie because he's been fantastic in the time he's been um, leading the line since Jesus has been out but he doesn't do the dropping deep and holding up the ball and bringing others into the game as well as Jesus does. But arguably, his finishing and goal-scoring ratio has been better. So kind of everything with every player, that's that's something we've got to uh, got to be realistic about. And um, Jesus just brings out the best in Martin. But to kind of caveat that a little bit, I do also think that uh, it didn't help that Erdegaard didn't have his best game because something we've spoken about previously is that We've got all these different players who can make things happen out of nowhere. It could be Party, Jacka, Saka, Martinelli, Eddie, but not one of those was having a really good game. And I feel like we could have gotten away with Everton doubling up on our wide men if Erdegaard was having his usual standard of performance. But because he wasn't, because Jacka was fairly ineffective, because Partey didn't look fit, um, because the game was so slow and there was no space for us to exploit. I don't know if you guys felt it, but the pitch just felt so congested all of the time. Every time we went forward, Everton brought everybody back, literally everybody, defended for their lives. And you've got to credit to them because we had nothing to exploit. And the very, very few occasions we counted and counted at speed, we got it wrong. We just got it wrong every single time. So does it concern you, Chris, that really we knew this was going to happen? We sort of knew they were going to throw everything at us, sit sit back and then throw it at us on on the break. Does Arteta have a plan B? Because we tried to play our game yesterday. And I'll come back to Martinelli and Jesus because a lot of people have been talking about this. I want to talk about Zinni and Tierney yesterday as well. So do you think he has a plan B? Because as Trev Hill, who I love to pieces, Welcome to the show, Trev, said, we've not turned up at Goodson for the last three seasons. It's becoming our bogey ground. We consistently underperform for some reason. Now, Arteta would have known that. He's been there the last three seasons. Do you think he's got a plan B for teams like this? Like Newcastle, obviously, and, you know, same thing. I think yes, because we have a different... He's he's built the squad with a variety of different... um, skill set across those players so Martinelli not quite working Martinelli is very very direct he wants to get the ball head down he wants to run he wants to use his pace Trossard is very different two-footed he likes to come inside come out go outside and so that was an option so he's built he's built a squad with them with that in mind as a plan b I think as Cookie was just saying I think it was just some really poor execution yesterday I thought that party Zinchenko Xhaka, Erdegaard, they were quite poor. I could see, because I could see a replica of what happened with Newcastle. I could see what they were doing with Martinelli and Saka. You double up, your your, your left winger, your right winger works works in tandem with the left fullback and the right fullback. You close down the space and you press them and and you you try and neutralise them. I could see that. And then three sitting in the midfield, those three midfielders, yeah, with Decoure dropping in, you just drop in, you congest the space. So you can see the blueprint, and it's exactly what Newcastle did. But Arteta did try and counter that. But what I will say is that some of the chances that we had where some of our finishing was atrocious, like there's the ball into Erdegaard and he's lifted it into the roof of the uh, of the uh, of whatever is stand behind the goal, the Everton stand behind the goal. Uh, Nketiah drops a shoulder, gets beyond his man, um, in the first half and has a shot like he's basically just him and Pickford and his shot was high wide and not even not handsome it was horrible you know Saka 
Chris had a shot which was cleared off the line, but there were loads of it. It felt to me like we had about five or six chances where we've just ballooned the ball into the stands. So it just felt like in the in the penalty box yesterday, it was terrible. And it's that hoodoo that um, I, I can't remember who it was said that in the chat. It seems to be that that kind of response, that kind of situation with Everton. I mean, maybe it was slightly different last season. We were just, we were poor yesterday, but we were atrocious last season. Yesterday, you could almost say the whole Dice has changed the way in which Everton set up. Um, they had a very specific game plan. He was very clever from a tactical perspective. So yesterday wasn't as bad as last season, but it still was bad. And I just think we had a really bad day at the office. And that's what worries me about future games. How many more bad days at the office are we going to get? But however, as Ainsley said, we have to give credit to Everton. They were desperate for points. You know, they're now, what, third from bottom, I think. They were bottom. Um, a, a home game with their fans. Their fans are just as passionate as any other football fans. It's a great old-fashioned ground. You know, Sean Dyche is like down. Sam Allardyce. I know you do. I know I've got a lot of Everton friends, but you've got to blame me for Erdegaard and Saka's performance yesterday because when I was asked on Toffee TV who I, who's my favourite player at the moment, I couldn't choose between them. And I said, I've done this before. A year before, I went on Mersey, um, Merseyside Radio and I raved about Erdegaard and he had his worst game. So again, sorry, guys. I should never. I'm not doing it ever again because... This is what happens. And when Erdegaard does have a bad game, it completely goes missing, you know. Um, so, okay, so moving on to that, it's it, absolutely bad day at the office. I don't think, Cookie, are you as concerned as Chris is about future games like this? I'm not, personally. I think we'll rectify this against Brentford on Saturday. And it's hard to think about Brentford because I keep thinking about City Wednesday week. And we've got to we've got to beat Brentford, haven't we, to keep to get the momentum back. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply yeah, absolutely. And I think the one thing I would say is that we've won a lot of games this season, particularly away from home, that I wouldn't have expected us to win so comfortably. And that's going right back to the first day of the season against Crystal Palace, because never in a million years did I think we would we would win that game in the way that we, we did. I didn't think it was going to be anywhere near as comfortable going to Selhurst Park, because that's been a bogey ground for us, a big, big bogey ground. And we controlled that game for about 80% of it. It was a bit tough at the end, but you know, we we got the result that we deserved. Same going to Brentford away, a ground that we struggled at on the opening day of last season. So many of our competitors um, at the top end of the table have gone there this season and been absolutely pummeled. We've gone there mm. and it's probably our easiest and most convincing away win of the season. Um, gone to Brighton, won there, put four goals past them. Um, not, not a lot of our competitors have gone there and got a result. So we've done very, very, very well to go to these notorious away grounds where teams don't usually let you waltz the victory. And we've done really well to get three points a lot of the time in really convincing circumstances. So I can forgive Arsenal for yesterday and say, you know, doesn't mean anything. City um, lost today. So as far as the table is concerned, nothing's changed. Not got anything to worry about there, but don't let it happen again. We cannot let this happen again because the one thing I despised about yesterday was it was the Arsenal of old. It's the Arsenal we've seen yeah. in the past decade um, where it's just a little bit toothless. We're, we're lacking that bit of that 
passion, as people like to say, the fight desire, just the basic ingredients of football that we were missing. And, you know, that, that does come with a psychological aspect that Everton have got the new manager, the crowd's up for it, and you've just got to hold your hands up and say, we lost to the better team. Wasn't our day. Swallow it move on but as I say we can't let it happen again and that all starts from that game against Brentford uh, at the weekend because they've just won 3-0 at the weekends they're doing very very well this season especially since we last played them so if we win that and we win it well then we've got City up next looking at their recent performances and even looking at how we played against them in the FA Cup with our six changes I really am confident going into that game so if we win our next two games we're in such a good position Mm -hmm. so yeah it's all in our hands still can I Let's talk about that. I mean, on one, just, just one thing. And um, remember to remind me to say crowded pack field because I'm going to forget, Chris, and I want to come to you with that. Go on. Crowded pack field. I remember that. Just remind um, me. The only thing. So just to just to qualify, as you were saying about like my nerves and stuff. So I'm just going to say one thing and let you jump in, Amanda, on the crowded packed field. But 23rd of February 2008, Eduardo leg break, draw to Birmingham two two, and then 1st of March 2008. Draw to Villa at home, 1-1. 9th of March, 2008, draw to Wigan away, 0-0. 15th of March, uh, draw to Middlesbrough at home, lose to Chelsea away. And it was only until we got to the 29th of March, 2008, that we beat Bolton 3-2 away. But by then, the league was done. That's that's the scar tissue that I personally still bear because I still remember that time vividly. And that's why, as James said, Brentford now becomes a massive game. If we beat them, imagine if we touch wood, you know, cross fingers, lucky rabbit's hair, all of that sort of stuff. But imagine if we can properly put Brentford to the sword, then this game yesterday becomes a complete irrelevance. And in fact, it becomes less than an irrelevance because Tottenham beat the scum, beat Man City today. So it becomes a, this weekend might as well not have existed. Yeah. And that's what I'm hoping for. But yeah, crowded packed field. Go. Yes, but we're going to just do something. I'm going to come back to that in a sec, but Simon's just told us that Brentford have unbeaten in their last seven. It's going to be a tough game Saturday. To be honest, every single game is a tough game. So we've, we've, we'll have we've we talk about that in a moment, but I didn't want to see that, Simon, they're unbeaten in seven. Yeah, right, we were Chris, unbeaten you... in like 20-odd, so... Yeah, no, no, that's fine. But you see, the thing is, this is the first night I haven't watched Match of the Day in the whole season, because even when we lost to United, I wanted to watch it because I really wanted to see if that goal should have stood and and all that. Um, but Chris, you alluded to it earlier before. You said about the midfield was so packed, there was no space. Yeah. So with that in mind, do you think, because I do, that he should have played, excuse me, he should have played Tierney instead of Zinni? Might no. have helped Martinelli as well. But go on. No. I don't because I think the form that Zinchenko has shown has been um, electric. And so I wouldn't have made that change. I think the problem is, is that the way that we set up, well, the way that Everton set up is that it could have created more space. I mean, what happens is Zinchenko was actually getting closer towards party and providing an outlet from a possession point of view. So for us to Mm. retain possession is so important. So if you take Tierney out of that, then we lose that ability to control possession. Um, I don't, it's a tough one actually, because hindsight 2020, you know, you think about it and think, well, it didn't work yesterday. So maybe it is worth, it would have been worth trying something, but I think going into the game, I don't think many Arsenal fans would have said, "Mm, maybe Tierney for this opponent. I think we thought we're going to control possession. Chris, I meant during it when he realised it wasn't working. No, of course not. Right. Absolutely not at the beginning. Sorry. I mean during it because Carl and I were sitting there going, this this game is screaming for Tierney to overlap for Martinelli and Zinni's got no room in midfield. So mm. this is Personally. where I sort of understand a few fans when they do criticise Arteta for not changing things. He did pretty early yesterday, um, but I sort of thought, we're trying to play our game here and it's not working. We need to do something. Go on. So I thought actually the two moves I probably would have made earlier was Tommy Asu for White because I thought Ben White was off yesterday and I thought Tommy Asu has been playing quite well recently. And so, you know, it happens. Players have off periods. Players, players go through patches. So I would have made that move, Tommy coming on earlier because I think thought he then did better than Ben White when he came on. But actually Trossard a little bit earlier for Martinelli because Martinelli was 
hugging the touchline and he just wasn't yeah. getting any joy. Whereas Trossard wants the ball to feet. Martinelli, Trossard just feels like the sort of player that when it's compact, when it's congested, he's got very quick feet. He can he can move his shoulders, he drops his shoulders quickly. I just feel like he's the sort of player that might have thrived a bit better. And he got, I know he got about 20, 25 minutes. And there's a few people on social media saying he didn't really do anything. And I thought that at the time. But if you give him, if you give him more time, maybe he, he can impose himself on the game a little more is what I thought. So not so much Tierney coming on, but I definitely thought Tomiyasu and Trossard could have been moves that we could have made earlier. So, Cookie, with the Tierney carrying on with that um, chat, Phil Macker says Zinni had a bad game yesterday, which is unusual for him. So my point is, if you can see a player having a bad game, why not change it? It might have helped Martinelli. It might have helped. I don't know. Obviously, we wouldn't know. Um and obviously, I mean, you know, look, we all love Zinni, but we all love Tierney, but sometimes you do need to change it. Yeah, I'm I'm not entirely sure Zinchenko is the guy I would have taken off. I definitely would have made a change on that side of the pitch, but I actually think it would have been Jacker because I thought he was pretty ineffective yesterday. I don't think he had a like a stinker by any means, but I just think that left-hand side of the pitch, he he just was crowded out every single time. And you've got to hand it to Everton's midfield of um, Onana, Decore, who's barely played this season, and uh, Idris Aganegate, because they just swamped us. They just swallowed us whole, basically. Um, and I would have been tempted to maybe have moved Zinchenko into Jacker's role a little bit higher up the pitch and then brought Tierney on at left-back, because, like you say, we had no overlapping runs. And it's a bit of a problem um, in both of our fullback areas because Ben White does bomb forward, but he hasn't quite got that end product to swing a ball into the box. Tommy Asu, um, I think he does it a lot better in terms of getting forward than Ben White does, but we've not really got a, dare I say, a Hector Bellerin type player who's going to just be a traditional fullback and just run up and down the flank and provide over overlapping runs. We've not got that in either fullback position. And, you know, that's not too much of an issue because of the way we play. We, we're not reliant on overlapping runs. That's just not how we play. Um, but I think in this situation where we did need a bit more width, we needed players to run beyond. We didn't necessarily have the time to have it constantly played into feet, which is something that um, all, all of our front players want. We just needed a, a Theo Walker almost to run in behind and latch onto a forward pass because we didn't have any runners at all. And that's why I think players like Smith Rowe, Nelson, when he comes back, they're going to be really good options off the bench. Um, say what you like about someone like Nelson. I mean, he is someone that gets in behind and runs beyond um, the defence. So it would be good to have those options. And I think we could have just been a little bit more ambitious in our substitutions because, like we've all said, um, so many other people have said it, they were very like for like, which you know I didn't really take much issue with at the time. But I think, especially when we're a goal down, you've got to kind of be a bit more, um, a bit more ambitious, like I say, and maybe take off someone that provides so much um, importance to the structure, someone like Jacker, take him off and put Vieira in alongside Erdegaard and just have another attacking option or keep Martinelli on, but bring on Trossard for someone like Jacker. Uh, I think we could have done that because, you know, I got the Jorginho substitution. I took no issue with it because at the time I thought it was a bit um, strange to take Partey off, but given that it could be related to his fitness and we want to keep him 100%, you know, no problems there. But in another game, maybe you take Partey off and you bring Trossard on and you just, you know, throw everything at it like we've done in previous games. Because Arteta did do that. We've gone to back freeze in the past, but we've not done it this season kind of because we've not had to, but also for the sake of the structure and the balance of the team. So, yeah, that's something I would like to see in the future when we are in these situations, when we're a goal down, just be a bit more inventive with the substitutions, perhaps. Don't um, do what we did at United and bring on them all at once because you don't need to do that. But if it's not going yeah. our way and we've got 10 minutes to go, just just change it up. Give the opposition something to think about. Give them an absolute handful. Because, you know, if you've got Martinelli, Saka, Trossard, Vieira, Smithrow all on the pitch, even Jesus at the same time, then that's going to be hell of a lot for a defence to handle. And um, Jesus coming back, I think, is going to be massive for us in this last part of the season because we, we do miss him in games like this. And same can be said for Smithrow as well. True. Um, a lot of the people in the chat room, um, including Michael, who, Michael, I'm related to every prince on the planet, so we're probably family, you and I. Um, I would have started Trossard. A lot of, I'm seeing a lot of these comments in the chat room. So, Chris, would you have started with Trossard instead of who? I don't think you can. I think Arteta, one of the things that has been the successful blueprint for him this season has been the consistency in his starting eleven. It's why Tomiyasu didn't start because Tomiyasu's had a couple of games 
he came on against Man United for the second half. He, sh- he basically shared a match with Ben White for Man United, and he was probably the better performer in that game. And then he's played against Man City, and he was very, very good. And so, to me, that's almost at the point where you're saying, well, if this is truly, if he's going to go full pep and rotate based on certain types of games and things like that, then it probably was a game where you could have potentially said, said Tommy, yes, I'm not answering the question, but I will get to it. Um, it's more, I guess my point is, Martinelli has not done enough to lose the shirt yet, I don't think. And what impact does it have on a player who's just signed a new deal, who's on cloud nine, who we all love, if he just drops him for Trossard? I think think it was the right call to play him. I think he'll play against Brentford, Martinelli. But what we need to see, which is exactly what we wanted when we were talking about the January transfer window, is options. So if it's not working for Martinelli um, against Brentford, then Trossard can come on and get 30 minutes, 25 minutes, 20 minutes. That's fine. That's how it should work. And if it happens like that for four or five games in a row, then we've got that option, Trossard, to say, do you know what, Martinelli, Gabby, you come off and you're going to get the 20 minutes to be an impact player and Trossard can start. That's how you make champions. Like, I don't want to start talking up championship, concept, like the title, because I'm still not on the train. But um, for me, Trossard, not quite yet because he's only just joined. Martinelli has played well all season. He's got to play four or five games where we're a bit question marking him before we start to say, let's get Trossard in. Okay, fair enough. Thanks, everyone, for their comments. So welcome to the show, Gary Pepperman. Gary is actually a personal friend of ours, me and Carl, and was with me at the Invincibles that night. Uh, So nice to see you. Definitely move Martinelli to the middle. It clearly wasn't working for him yesterday. Seems to be a lot of this cookie, doesn't it? Um, And my point was at the beginning, does Arteta change it enough? Uh, When we're losing? I mean, obviously, when when this situation's happening, do you feel he did, he made the right substitutions yesterday? I think just going back to my previous point, he's just got to show a little bit more imagination in these situations. And if we are losing the game one nil, then um, just just go for it a little bit more and keep as many attacking options on the pitch as possible. And that might come at the sacrifice of the structure and balance of the team, but at least you've got a bit of chaos on the pitch. And I don't feel we had that chaos factor yesterday, uh, which has been so good for us this season. I mean, you look at the goal we scored against United in the last minute, that just came from absolute anarchy, basically. So if we're able to do that a little bit more, and I think he will learn to do that because he's trying to find that balance of when and where to make the substitutions because he got it wrong earlier on in the season at United when he brought everybody on at once in pursuit of trying to get a win in that game when we really didn't have to. And um, yesterday, I think, yeah, it was just a little bit too, not conservative because he did make changes. Like, let's let's give credit where it's due. He did make changes and people have been critical of him not making enough changes this season. But it's just that they were a little bit too like for like. I thought the Tommy Asu won in the last five minutes. Why? What's the point at that stage in the game? Um but I, like I say, when we've got someone like Smith Rowe on the bench, when we've got Jesus back in the team, when we've even got Nelson back in the team, um, that will provide us more attacking options. Because although we're very excited by the depth of our bench, there's still not many players you look to on there apart from Trossard as genuine attacking options. You've got Vieira, who I thought was good yesterday. But uh, in terms of players that are going to really get into the final third and provide you with a goal or an assist, we've still not got a huge amount on there bar Trossard, as I say. So we, we do need these players back in Smith, Rowan, Jesus and Nelson. Um, but yeah, um, I'm not going to criticise the substitutions too much. I think like we alluded to earlier, there was a massive overreaction to Jorginho's performance. I mean, what? Why? Why, why was there such a backlash to the 30 minutes he played? I couldn't get my head around that. I'm not going to uh, pretend that he's a signing that I wanted. Um, I wasn't overly infused when we signed him. When the news broke, I kind of felt a bit defeated given the news to Kai Sado. But he's here, so I'm going to get behind him every time he puts an Arsenal shirt on mm. and steps out on that pitch. So, um, yeah, I uh, I didn't really get, get the criticism he got and I think if it was Caicedo to put in the performance that he did would he have got that stick? Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> can no, I, of course not. Can I just not, jump but... in on one thing on that? So on, on the on the Jorginho thing, the way that I think... I was, was going to come to that, go on. <laughs> the way that I think everyone needs to look at it is 
is Jorginho an upgrade on Mohamed Elneny? Because two weeks ago, that was our backup option to party, was Mohamed Elneny. Now, I don't know many Arsenal fans. Maybe that a few people in the chat will prove me wrong. But I don't know many, and I certainly don't believe that Mohamed Elneny is a better footballer than Jorginho. And that's all we need to see this as. Jorginho has signed an 18-month contract. He is here for this season. And then because no footballer leaves a club and signs a six-month contract, Arsenal have said, well, all right, we'll chuck an extra year on. And he's essentially been brought in as the Mohamed Elneny replacement. So for me, if you're talking about Elneny or Jorginho, it's Elneny. And Sambi wasn't working in the number six. And we can send him out on loan to Crystal Palace. And hopefully he has a really, really good time at Crystal Palace and comes back a better footballer. To me, once I start started thinking about it like that, Jorginho is just Elneny's replacement. I was like, well, we're already better off than we were. So people need to stop thinking about, oh, God, you know, Jorginho, why Jorginho? And focus on the player or the his backstory, i.e. coming from Chelsea, and more focus on the fact that we've upgraded, albeit slightly, on El Nene. So, Unique79, welcome to the show, darling. I am sorry, but Jorginho's finished. Um, I've seen a lot of that. I disagree. I am totally in tune with you, Chris, on this. Chelsea fans didn't think he was finished because he played a lot, and a lot of them thought he was all right. Yeah, and, you know, he's got experience again in the Champions League and winning things. It's not a bad acquisition to have as backup to party. Now, let's just talk about Thomas party yesterday. In, in the week, we were all plutzing, which means stress to the hill that something was wrong with him. It came out that it wasn't. But he didn't look himself, did he, yesterday, could he? He, he didn't either. So I don't think any of them looked themselves. I, if I had to sit here now and name a man of the match, I honestly couldn't do it. Could you? It's almost like it's almost like they had lasagna or something. It was a bit dodgy. <laughs> no, I thought Partey was poor, and it's his worst performance of the season. I think we we can all admit that. And if he's not one hundred percent, probably shouldn't have started the game. And we brought Jorginho in for you know moments when Partey isn't going to be at his best. And like I say, if he wasn't going to be one hundred percent for this game, it might have been a more sensible move to have started Jorginho. Um, but given that he's so new to the team, perhaps Arteta didn't want to take that risk so early on into his career. But it did feel very calculated when those substitutions came in the 60th minute because it was bang on 60 minutes that Partey came off. So it did feel very much like it was a planned change. But, uh, you know, I've got to give him a bit of leeway because he's been absolutely sensational this season. So he's more than allowed one bad game given how impeccable he's been given that he was carrying a slight not going into this game so I'm hoping it's a one-off I would say that his opening 10 15 20 minutes of games I have thought he's looked a little bit sloppy in possession um the game against Spurs springs to mind I thought he was pretty sloppy in the opening period of that game and yeah he can he can give the ball away in dangerous areas he could be a little bit too elegant with it and I think Everton just every time he you know tries to get the ball out of his feet um they just snapped at him every single time and they were really quick at getting to him. And I think they just played on him having that um, that slight, not full battery almost. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is. Um, nothing to be too disheartened about by his performance, but let's just hope he's raring to go after a full week of training, hopefully without a knock on uh, on Saturday. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So I disagree with Carl Stark, and I disagreed with him yesterday when he was saying this, that 80% party is better than anything else we have. We can't risk losing him, can we, Chris? We no. just can't. No, and also, um, elite football is such that literally marginal gains and tiny differences make a massive bit of difference. So a 90% or an 80% fully fit Thomas party is what we got yesterday, and the alternative, it's, it's difficult because if the alternative is someone like Jorginho in a match where you're away from home to a team that's going to 
intensively press you from yet like so if party wasn't fully fit yesterday and i think he might have been carrying a knock I, i'm sort of agreeing disagreeing with carl here because i still wouldn't have started Jorginho because everton would have pressed him they'd have put bodies on him and we'd have been in trouble but he's he's almost brought in i think i think he's he's he came on yesterday purely because party wasn't fit and arteta wanted to get as much out of the tank from him as possible so mm. he thought to himself if he can, if I can get 60 minutes, maybe we go a goal, two goals up, and then I'll bring him off. And Jorginho does the 300 pass, thousand passes, you know, kill the game thing that Arteta's previously talked about. And that's where I think his head was at. Jorginho maybe against if party's not fully fit next weekend at home to Brentford, you'd hope that it sh- that that particular position shouldn't make a difference because we will have more ball, we will have more possession, we will have more territory in the final third, and. I wouldn't expect the same level of intensity that you get that we got from Everton. That won't happen. That doesn't happen at the Emirates because we're the ones that are in control. So for me, Jorginho, I'm not really got that much of a problem with it. There will be games, for example, City at home in which you wouldn't want Jorginho uh, anywhere near the start there. You'd need a fully fit party. And if bringing him off 30 minutes today so he can get another week of training, like you said, Amanda, like get those, if he's got bruised ribs, for example, give him another week to just get those healed. Then do you know what? Fine. Let's just take the L on this one. We haven't lost out in terms of points differential this weekend. Count our lucky stars. We go again next weekend. I think that's it, isn't it, Cookie? I mean, you don't. I mean, whatever Carl says, I I don't believe you should play a, a player that's slightly injured, especially not party. So he's so um, important for our team. He's probably the most important player on that pitch for us because in every other sort of position, like as we said with Martinelli and Trossard and so forth, we've got. We've got that. Jorginho against City sort of makes me feel a little bit nervous, if I'm honest, Chris. So I don't want to think about that at the moment. Um, yes, thanks, everyone. If it would, thank you, Unique79. I should have said this at the beginning. I'm really not good at promoting this show, honestly. Please like and please subscribe because the algorithms on YouTube, if you like and subscribe, um, it doesn't cost you anything to subscribe. You'll get to see all our shows, and other people will as well. A lot of people have said to me this week, I didn't even realise you were doing a podcast, whereas I think I advertise it so much on Twitter um, because people don't know about it. Well, I've been doing the podcast over a year now, so um, and I've got some really good shows coming up, something very different for you all, which I'll talk about at the end. Okay, so we've sort of dissected yesterday, bad day of the office, None of them turned up. It was what it was. We're not going to be perfect. We're going to get bumps in the road. Everybody knows that. Anyone with a brain would know that bumps are coming. Um, we're now beginning of February, young cookie. And up next is Brentford. So do you – and I totally agree with keeping a winning side. I've got no issues with who we started with yesterday. Absolutely not. But we've lost. So now – Tell me your 11 for Saturday, Cookie, if everyone's fit, of course. I don't think I'd be in an immediate rush to change anything because that 11 is what we've built all the success on that we've had so far this season. So, um, I mean, this is put into perspective. I think this is our best start to a season, you know, even better than the Invincibles. Our best ever start to a Premier League season. I think that was before yesterday. It might still be. I'm yeah. not too sure. But either way, 50 points from a possible 60 is insane. So you're not going to hear me complaining about that. Um, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be changing anything. I think there are a couple of players that I'm looking at and thinking, you know, if it doesn't work against Brentford, then maybe we need to tinker with it ever so slightly. And that would be White, who I think was poor against United. I thought Benny shot a Blanco yesterday. Pardon the pun. Um <laughs> And I'd maybe look to bring Tommy Asso in because I think he's been fantastic. And then the other one would be Trossard for Martinelli because I thought Trossard was impeccable against City. And I really like the dynamic of him starting the game, then Martinelli coming on with all his flair and pace in the last 20 minutes to just wreak havoc. So that though, those would be the two positions I'd be looking at, but I wouldn't be changing them just yet. That would be based on how they perform in this game. But I think we need to get our regular 11 
at the absolute peak of their powers on Saturday because I want that 11 to be the one that starts against Manchester City on Wednesday. And then, uh, you know, if God forbid results don't go away in the next two games, then we probably have to start looking at tinkering going into the game away from home against Villa. But that's, you know, that's still a while away yet. Still two very big games to be played. But um, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't change too much just yet. So um, can someone, does anyone know who City have got next weekend before they play us? I don't know, actually. I'm sure you all lot do. Um, so you'd st- you'd stick with the same team. I sort of get that. Um, Christopher, would you or any changes your your side? So I would. Uh, City have got uh, Aston Villa on Sunday um, at right. the four thirty kickoff. So we play that. We play first. So we get a win, and that takes us to eight points clear, <laughs> level on points. Although then with the game in hand. Clear. Um, Unai Emery is doing quite a good job of, um, you know, Unai Emery plays a very good underdog card. So, I, you know, you never know. But um, I actually possibly would do what um, I'd pro- probably change White for Tomiyasu. Like I know what um, Cookie was saying, but part of me thinks if you want to send a message to the squad, which is we have a collective of 16, 17 players who if you are playing well, I will play you. And uh, if I was Arteta, I'd think, I'd think long and hard about potentially playing Tomiyasu. You could even potentially say, I'm going to play Tomiyasu because of form. Depending on what happens, you can then bring, um, you could then bring um, Ben White back in for the Man City game. But I just think that he's playing well and it sends a message to the squad. And you could sit Ben White down and say, look, it's not so much you, but Tommy's come in and been brilliant when he's played. And I want to give everybody an opportunity here that deserves it. So that's why I'm starting him against Brentford. And then if we get a win, if he plays well, you've got the best of both worlds. You can then go to the Man City game with a Ben White fired up trying to win his or knowing that he needs to keep his place. And so therefore you could play him. Or if Tommy Asu is brilliant against Brentford, you then say to Tommy Asu, all right, you can keep it for Man City. So, and, and also, if you think about Kieran Tierney as well, on the other flank, he might be looking at that and saying, oh, wait a second, Tommy Asu got in. So this isn't a closed shot. And he's not just going to keep the same team each week because if Tommy Asu is playing well enough and he gets in over Ben mm. White, then I've got a chance of Sinchenko. So it f- could potentially fire up uh, Tierney as well. So that's why I, in my head I'm like, I quite like the idea of, of just flipping, maybe even if it's just for one game, just flipping Tommy Asu in at Brentford. I think quickly as well, just just uh, on the mention of Tierney, for me, he had his best game of the season away at Brentford earlier this year, um, well, last year. So if there was one change that I think we could make that could be relatively risk-free, Tierney for Zinchenko might not be the worst show in the world. Yeah. Also, the whole idea of the rotation. So we're playing just three games in just over a week. So he's going to... Yeah, he's going to have to get used to using his squad. So maybe he's going to look at the Brentford game and say, do you know what? A couple of tweaks. You know, if we can get the job done against Brentford with a couple of tweaks, happy days. And it's not like they're bad guys that are coming in either. I yeah, mean, no. Trossard coming in, no, no issues with that. Tommy Asu, Tierney coming in. I mean, these are guys that were pivotal to us last season. If, if When we lost them towards the end of the campaign, we were all up in arms. And ultimately, one of the reasons why we didn't get top four was because of Tierney and Tomiyasu being out injured. So if they came in, I, I wouldn't have any issues with that with Brentford at home. Yeah. Okay, so one of the things that might go in our favour slightly, we play at home three o'clock on Saturday and we play at home Wednesday night. They've got to go. They've got a day less recovery. They are away to Birmingham. They've got to get down to London. So let's just hope that that gives us a little bit more breathing space. I think the they're, at day. they're at home. They're at home. They're at home. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, sorry. So they're at home in Manchester, then come down to London. But they're playing like a over a day later. So yeah. I'm trying to hang on to anything. Listen, we we've got to stop talking about the City game. We're going to be back here next Sunday night talking about Brentford, and then we can talk about City. Let's just focus on Brentford because it's really important. We do not sit here and go. Brentford's a done deal. Let's move, let's talk about City because that's the big one. We don't want to do that. Um, thanks to everyone in the chat. We've had over 100 tonight. That's absolutely amazing. Thanks for joining us. We are going to try and keep it to Sunday nights at half seven. Um, obviously, when we're not playing late on a Sunday, we're going to try and keep it to that. 
Um, thank you all for joining us. It would be really lovely to know where you're all from. It is, we love to know where all the little, uh, all the global fans are. So moving on, let's just do a couple of um, questions. Anyone got any questions? That Can I jump in put... with just a question? I'll have a question for you two guys, if that's all right. Okay, go on. Do you think there was a touch of arrogance about the way that we played yesterday? Because before the match, I was on a couple of WhatsApp groups and particularly when the lineups were announced and it was almost like, oh, Sean Dyche going against a 4-5-1, low block, we're in for a slog. Do you think there was a touch of arrogance about the way that we set up? Because part of me is a bit like maybe there was because... Maybe we should have adapted because we seem to just play the same way that we've played all season and just maybe the arrogance of it's worked all season, so it'll work mm. again today. No, uh, I didn't think they were arrogant at all. Just don't think they turned up. I think there's That's a okay. very, very slight touch of complacency creeping in. Um, mm. I'm not sure if that was... I'm not sure if I thought about that yesterday. I just thought yesterday we just weren't good enough. We got beaten by the better sides. And like I said before, it's just one of those performances I never want to see again. But um, I think when I first saw that bit of complacency creeping in was maybe against Spurs when Martinelli hit it off his back, which, you know, is hilarious. It's great. Obviously, if we lose the game after that, it's not so funny. Um, but I'm personally, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of things like that. Uh, I know it's great to see, especially, you know, when you're doing it away at Spurs. But for me, I just want us to keep our heads down, stay as humble as possible. And, you know, if we've won the league with a couple of games to spare, then, then do what you want. Nutmeg everyone, put on a Anthony masterclass. But for now, just keep your heads down, play our football and just just don't let any sort of arrogance creep into your mind whatsoever. No, I agree. So I'm just going to tell everybody where everyone's from. We've got Dash, who's from Bangalore. Bangalore in India, Michael from Trinidad and Tobago. We've got Cole downstairs here in the lounge. Atlanta, Bracknell. I mean, honestly, this is why I love this show. So our overseas fans can interact with us. Because I tell you what I noticed last game, boys. We haven't spoken since the United match, have we? Did we speak about United? I've never seen the ground so filled in all my life. Every single club level seat was filled that has never happened before i don't you know what it was like down huh you can't get tickets these days like no, I, i'm nothing. asking around like i normally so i'm in block five and i've got lots of mates and i've every single season i've i've been at the emirates i've been able to at least find tickets if someone says oh you couldn't get me a ticket normally it's quite easy you ask them around yeah i don't mind giving up mine whatever it is but you can't get tickets at the moment no you can't but what i'm trying to say is Chris. <laughs> club level they're normally inside having a glass of wine watching the game there's loads and loads and loads of though i couldn't see one in the whole stadium and it is fantastic but where was everyone when we weren't doing that well do you just support the club when they're doing well then i don't know that's not how i was brought up so i don't know um melissa says i'm in a posh where are you i'm from north yorkshire <laughs> I love it all. It's lovely to know where everybody's from. Thank you for joining us. Right. Okay. Let's have some predictions, Cookie, for um, Saturday. And then got a couple of other bits to talk about. Okay, Saturday. Uh, so important we win. I do think it will be a tough game against a very good Brentford side that are doing some remarkable things this season. But I think that game yesterday will have spurned us on to be more determined than ever to hopefully get a win. Don't think it'll be easy but a resolute good showing 2-0 win all day long. Right, so Cookie, you're 2-0. Chris? What I want is rage. I want incredulity that another football team dared beat us. And so what <laughs> I want is for that Arsenal team on Saturday to come out and effing pummel Brentford. However, I think it's going to be tighter than we would like. And I have a suspicion that it might be more like a 2-1 Arsenal. And that's what I've written down for me, 2-1 Arsenal, because I can see I can see Brentford scoring first. I said this against United. A couple of questions for you. Cookie, you can answer this. Do you think that the intensity we have played at the most of the season is catching up with the team? That was from Karen. Hi, Karen. Uh, great question. Uh, I think it's really hard to base that off a one-off game. 
yesterday. I think it was more that Everton's intensity was just through the roof. Um, and we have played with great intensity, great pressing, but uh, Everton were just better at it yesterday. I don't think that's to say ours was necessarily poor, but if we were to maybe see that level of intensity drop off against Brentford, then I think you know that's that's a more than valid question that um, we could talk about a little bit more. But I, I think it's just at the minute, you know, I don't I don't think we need to overanalyze yesterday. I really don't. I just think got to put it down as one of those games that um, didn't go our way on the day. The narrative was there for it to go against us. It went against us. We lost to the better team. Let's just sweep it under the carpet, swallow it, like I say, and get back to the Arsenal that we know on Saturday. Thank you for your question, Karen. John Rowe. Hi, John. Would you rest, would you, this is for you, Chris, would you rest Saka on Saturday, remembering this might disrupt Brentford's to double up on him and he looks tired? Never in a million month of Sundays <laughs> would I rest Saka in the slightest. What needs to happen is that if he's being doubled up on, he needs to have other players around him. What he needs to have, and this is, I guess it might be going again. What I was saying earlier in terms of playing Tommy Asu, but what we didn't do enough of yesterday was White on the overlap. Because if White on the if White's running on the overlap, then it cre- it it puts question marks in the defenders. They can't double up on Saka if they can see White on the overlap. Because Saka can just touch the ball back to Erdegaard, who can then find White on the overlap. So for me personally, no. But I've just completely undermined my own argument about playing Tommy Asu there um, and saying we should play Ben White because Tommy Asu doesn't overlap like uh, Ben White does. Okay, thank you for your question. Let's see if we've got anything else. Um, to, right, let me just have a look at their um, predictions. Rich has gone 2-0 Arsenal. We also have, sorry, to, sorry to interrupt. We also have a full week now of rest. So yeah. Not rest, but of training. So it's not like we're playing in midweek. No. Um, unique 3-1 Arsenal. 2-1 from Nigel, 3-0 home win. I think it's safe to say that everyone, Fiona's 2-1, Simon Lester 2-0. We are um, very positive that we're going to win next week. So, um, also, guys, by the time we get to Brentford, um, I've been told that every part of the stadium will be wrapped in the new artwork. What's your opinion of some of it already, Chris? I think it's amazing. I think it is um, a really, you have to give flowers to the club for really connecting with the fans and the community, the history, the legacy of Arsenal. And football is, if it's nothing if it's not about history and remembering who you are and who you represent. You know, we when I go to football, even when we were terrible under the darkest days of the Unai Emery era, you know, I'd still go to the football and we, I'd still talk about. Do you remember those really good FA Cup days that we, we used to go to and we'd all have a drink and have a good time? It's it's those memories that essentially help to define our football supporting life. And so by being able to epitomize that on the stadium every time I go there now you're going to look at that and you're going to be like this is lovely it was lovely Mm. when they did all of the players like with their sort of LinkedIn arms on the actual ground where you've got Brady and Seaman and stuff like that all linked I think that was a fantastic touch by the club so you have to give nothing but kudos okay do you feel the same you're looking forward to seeing it next week yeah, absolutely. It's the exact same for me. And just to echo what Chris says, it, it just really connects the fans with the club and it just feels it just feels right. I think what uh, our, the, the Emirates has maybe lacked ever so slightly is just a little bit of personality. And this just feels, it just fills me with vibrancy. And um, I'm just, yeah, I can't, can't wait to see it in person. It's a lovely touch by the club and it just kind of epitomises everything the club have done right this season in terms of connecting with the fans, making everyone feel so together. So, yes, it's a great move that I can't wait to see on Saturday. The Highbury one is my favourite. It would not shock you both. But the Highbury one on the East Stand, and it bends round to the North Bank as well. It's the East Stand up a front um, place here. And I just can't wait to see it. It's just going to be fantastic. It'll be lovely to watch it. And you're right, Cookie, it did lack atmosphere it certainly doesn't lack atmosphere inside the ground anymore and now we've got it outside we've got like the perfect stadium it is class it's very classy what they've done it's lovely they've included the women as well and 
I think it's going to look even better than the pictures we've seen because I've not seen anything but pictures. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to it. Guys and girls, thank you so much for a fantastic show. Thank you for everyone in the chat room, everyone that's commented. You know, it's been fantastic. Really enjoyed chatting to you both, um, Cookie and Chris. We'll be back next Sunday at half past seven. But before we go, um, I'm doing some special shows on Thursday nights. The next four Thursday nights, I've got some very different guests coming on. Now, you may love him or you may hate him, but he's actually a friend of mine and he's coming on next Thursday night at half past seven. And before you say anything, why don't you come and listen to him? So I have got Robbie from our Arsenal Fan TV coming on a one-to-one -one chat with me next Thursday night at half past seven. The week after is even, <laughs> is it that they just get better and better each week. So 7.30, please subscribe. That will come up on your um, in your subscription or whatever it is they do on YouTube. You know me, I'm so not IT. Um, I thank you again. Look, great show, Amanda, Cookie Chris. Thanks, Mark. Fiona's enjoyed it. Ames has enjoyed it. It's been lovely. Please hit the like button. Please come back next week. Um, and I look forward to seeing you Thursday night. And Rich Saguna, if you would like to ask him that, I will be asking Robbie plenty of questions. Don't you worry. It won't be a loving, okay? So, but he is a mate of mine and he's agreed to come on. Um, that that will never, ever, ever happen, Ainsley, in my lifetime of being on the same old Arsenal podcast. Don't you worry. Um, guys and girls, it was a bad day at the office. It doesn't matter because Tottenham, our mates down the road, did us a favour beat City with five points clear. I've got to go and have a shower because I was supporting Tottenham for 90 minutes. With five points clear, game in hand, top of the league, early February. What can I say? Thank you for joining us. Glad you all enjoyed the show. See you all next week. Thanks, guys. Always Arsenal. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs> 